Our fear of missing out keeps us on our toes. It's what leads us to compare ourselves with other people. It's not limited to the fun events our friends are going to, but we can basically compare ourselves to people around us in all aspects of life. Romantic relationships, friendships, professional successes, and arguably the most mentally taxing, the degrees to which other people are content with their lives, and how that compares to the way we view our own achievements and goals. Join me this week to unpack three types of FOMO, academic, social, and life milestones. Recording this episode just felt like giving a big hug. FOMO is such a common experience, yet sometimes it feels like we're the only people who feel that way. I hope this episode helps you come closer to finding peace with FOMO, or that it at least entertains you for the next 40 minutes of your day. Love you lots, and let's get right into it. Hey, over the past few weeks, I've been feeling really at peace, probably because there's not a lot of things distracting me at the moment. No romantic relationship, no extracurriculars, no no anything really. It's just me, my Pilates, my running, hospital placements, and kind of the motivation for me to study is just so high right now that what that just didn't exist throughout the year. So I am feeling really at peace and really grounded at the moment, which is a little bit, I wouldn't say new, I wouldn't say new for me, but it just doesn't come very often. So I wanted to share that in this weekly's update. And it is reflected on the kind of music that I'm listening to at the moment. Very moody, very sad, very romantic. Nothing really energetic at the moment. Maybe this is my arc of um, becoming a woman in her mid-30s. Anyway, let's get into FOMO. So FOMO is characterized by different people in many ways, and it's a relatively contemporary term for a phenomenon that's existed for centuries, right? And I think that's definitely worth talking about because it's interesting how we can't really talk about something or we the means to talk about things or concepts aren't really there until you have labels for it and FOMO is a relatively new label that's only been around for 20 years and only been used popular uh what is it only has been used commonly for the last 15 So FOMO is characterized by the desire to stay continually connected with what other people are doing. And there's this associated pervasive apprehension that other people might be having more rewarding experiences, more fun experiences from which one is absent. And it involves the comparison of yourself with other people. It involves feeling like you're missing out, feeling uncomfortable with the realization that there's a mismatch between your situation and what you want to be in, the situation that you want to see yourself in right now. And to top that off, it's followed up with a compulsive behavior to maintain or to act on the the desires or what you wish you had for yourself right now 
The history of FOMO probably happened, like, started a long time ago because the feeling or the desire to belong and to connect with people and to relate to other people is so fundamental to the human condition. But it's popular, the popular use of the label FOMO has helped to legitimize this phenomenon. And interestingly, some scientists even use like even research about FOMO and they try to understand the psychological chemistry and pathophysiology behind it which I think is very cool and I think the research they're doing now involves trying to find a connection between FOMO and people with pre-existing mental conditions and the reason why today's experience of FOMO is so unique to those of our ancestors is we have an exponentially greater amount of exposure to the lives of other people. This means that we are faced more than ever with a continuous uncertainty about whether we are making the most of our lives and where we should be in terms of our life achievements and milestones. Because we see so much more of other people's lives than we would have 100 or 200 years ago. People don't have to be living in your city for you to compare yourselves to them. They can be across the country or across the globe. Why do we get FOMO? A feeling of belonging is fundamental. And interestingly, sometimes belonging is more important to us as humans than the need to be right. And this doesn't happen all the time. People do go against the status quo. There are radical people. Um, But in general, we really, like, we have a strong need to feel like we are included in something and that we belong to the communities that we are in. And... Some people call this social hunger. What are the signs of FOMO? There's a list, and I don't know if I really agree with the list because it seems a little bit like um, the people who have written this list are trying to pathologize just the fear of missing out, and I don't think there has to be symptoms. Um, Also, disclaimer, I haven't done formal education in psychology and FOMO. This is just an, an interesting per- interested person who likes to think about the concepts about being in your 20s and I like to do some research and share what I found. But this is definitely only for entertainment and self-reflection. This is not a crash course on psychology at all. But I, you know, I, I make this disclaimer every episode, but I, sh- I should make it here as well. So the signs of FOMO include and are not limited to obsessively checking social media to see what others are doing, experiencing negative feelings when comparing one's life to what others seem to be doing on social media, feeling mentally exhausted from social media, overscheduling and trying to be everywhere at all times, withdrawing from others, feeling physically tired, feeling sad, anxious or depressed, difficulty concentrating and having trouble sleeping. You see, I think like many of these things can point to more serious conditions than just 
the experience of FOMO, which is why I don't really agree with it. But I do see the point that they're trying to make, which is FOMO can just be like this uncomfortable feeling that you're missing out on something, but it can also seriously affect your mental health and your esteem and the way you see your own life and your own successes, right? And I don't really understand where I stand with these symptoms. I don't think I have all of them. Um, Like I'm iron deficient. So like, that's probably why I'm physically tired all the time rather than FOMO, but they could be linked, right? And I'm also on a social media break at the moment, which is honestly, it's getting easier every day um, because every day I feel the less, less of a need to scroll on TikTok and Instagram. Um, and I fill my time with other things that are kind of also low brain, um, but like equally time consuming. They just don't seem to have like an equally uh, like harmful effect for my mental health. And I am preparing for my 2024 vision board or watching Netflix shows. And on that note, I'm watching two new shows at the moment together, one of them by myself and one of them with my sister. And I'm watching them for the first time. Friends and Suits, which are like, I know they've been around for ages. I just never got around to watching it because when I started watching K-dramas in 2020, I just didn't, I just stopped watching like shows in English altogether, but I'm going back to it. And I think it's taken like a lot of, not courage, but I don't really like starting new TV shows to the point where I, for the last three years, I've been either watching like, like Korean shows or watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine from start to finish just again and again. Um, because I watched 24, 21, or was it 20, 25, 21 in 2021 and it broke my heart. I cried for like three days and I just, I think like the mental exhaustion of starting a new show is, is too much. I can't, I can't deal. I also think another reason why maybe like some of these signs don't really relate to me, even though I have FOMO quite a lot, is like, yes, I am checking social media a lot, but when I'm spending time on it, I think it's more like to occupy my hands and to have something to occupy my brain that's not really like cognitive, the cognitive load is not high. It's just something for me to watch and think about rather than for me to really like, subconsciously or consciously like compare myself to other people but I like it happens sometimes I think like it's so normal to be on social media and kind of compare the glamorous lives of other people to the mediocre kind of life or way of living of your own that's so fair um But with social media and comparing yourself to other people, some common sentiments may be, oh, wow, they're in a really happy and stable relationship. I wish I had the maturity like that to stay committed to someone. Or, 
oh, this person is single and they're going out with their friends so much. I wish I could do the same instead of anchoring myself and my 20s in a relationship with this one person. Another person might think, oh, look, like she's traveling the world in her 20s and experiencing so many cool things. I wish I was out there exploring all of the different cultures and cuisines like her. But then someone who's moved out and is living on their own might think oh like I moved from my small hometown into a big city but I wish I could be closer to my parents like my friends are while I'm still studying before I'm occupied with this really big job. Essentially regardless of the position that we're in financially, socially and professionally There's always going to be someone who seems to be in a better position than us, either in all three of those areas or in just one of them, but we'll always kind of feel a little bit inferior or kind of not as satisfied with our lives after looking at other people. And while it like shouldn't feel so normal, it it is. And I think with, Things like FOMO or perfectionism or these other psychosocial concepts, it's not really reasonable to overcome FOMO or eradicate perfectionism, but we just find peace with it. And this is what this episode is going to be anchored in finding peace with FOMO. I think it's quite self explanatory FOMO especially with social FOMO and feeling like you're not going to a party because you have another event on or you have a family dinner on and you feel oh quite disappointed that you're not there or um like not being invited to an event and thinking "Mm, like this makes me feel really disappointed and sad that I think that's all quite self-explanatory. I want to focus first on something that is a little bit different and this is academic and professional FOMO and this is quite fresh in my mind so a lot of these ideas that I have have like had to develop over the last couple weeks and I've been just jotting these down Um, so let's get into it. The fear of missing out academically is around the myriad of, is feeling like you're missing out on the myriad of extraordinary opportunities for learning, for challenge and general scholarship while you're doing something else. And if you compare academic FOMO now versus maybe 150 or 100 years ago, I think it's a lot worse now in the same way that social media has made social FOMO a lot worse now, but it's different because academic FOMO kind of, how do I phrase this? Like I go back a little bit. So there's a first world burden of choice and opportunity. While we know that financial, social circumstances still are barriers to education, the difference in this post-COVID era is that there are a lot more career options to choose from since the world has grown so much under the economical and social pressures of COVID. So some of the things that came out of COVID were like 
having a lot more courses available online at a cheaper price than before because before people were doing a lot of classes like in person and lectures in person but over the three years where we had to move online the technology for that has improved a lot and it's also a more of a social socially normal thing to do and similarly technology for people to have meetings online is so much more advanced which means that the skill deficits that would have hindered people in the past or the logistical nightmares of employing someone who worked overseas and like you needed meetings with them, those barriers don't exist as much anymore in the way that they did before COVID. And this like kind of cliche, kind of really corny sentence phrases it all and it's the world is your oyster which implies that if you shuck it badly or don't land a pearl there's no one else to blame but yourself meaning that when people are in better circumstances to achieve these wonderful opportunities then it's less about your situation and more about your drive your motivation and your action to achieve these things while acknowledging that yes people are still um like people's opportunities are still held back by how much they have to work to support themselves or how much they education they can afford but in general i think that's the general sentiment towards um feeling more responsible for your academic sort of success than in the past and With my reflection on this, I think for the first two years of uni, I really struggled with extracurriculars. There were so many committees I wanted to be a part of and skills I wanted to develop. And there's a fine balance between getting ahead and having a competitive edge while um, doing things so that I don't feel like I'm falling behind. And now that I'm in my third year, third year, I feel like I finally tackled the issues of feeling like I'm missing out if I don't sign up for something. I have decided to be really strict on myself with the roles that I sign myself up for. I'm only going to do roles that fit the type of work that I want to be doing rather than what the role does for me. I made a list of things that I like doing and things I definitely don't want to do. And when I sign myself up to something, I compare the role description against the list of type of activities that I want to do. Something I've realized is, or something I should have realized a long time ago, but now I'm realizing that not all roles will satisfy all of the interests in the same way that not all of your friends will satisfy, not each of your friends will satisfy all of your sort of social and emotional needs. And you might have one person you go to for, relationship advice and another person you might go to for a really like good time but you wouldn't like you just the dynamic is not there for you to share things with each other that mentality can be applied to the the things that you contribute commit your time to for example I really like writing and structuring my arguments and speaking and I like using my skill with words and my ability to structure arguments in things like global health and health policy. The thing that I like about policy writing 
as a clinician is that in the future, or the why I want to go into it in the future is that the number of people that you're able to help is a lot greater than the number number of people you would have to treat while working in a hospital, for example. But the thing is, another thing on my list of must-haves is to spend a lot of one-on-one time with people and forming strong relationships. And that's something that can be achieved not by writing policies, but by working on the ground in hospitals. So you're not sitting in some office cooped away, um, just writing and not really meeting the people that you're influencing. So this is an example of two things that I really care about that can't really be achieved with one thing and so or one role so I would have to do two different roles to satisfy both of them together and I've come to the realization that since there's not going to be a single thing that satisfies everything I should pick a handful of roles and handful of commitments that align with different areas of my interests so that I feel whole and complete in the same way that having this podcast really makes me feel fulfilled in my reflective side, the reflective side of myself, the side of speaking and um, writing and exploring some emotions, like exploring emotions and all that, you know, that is not achieved by going to placements or by tutoring but tutoring satisfies like my passion for teaching and talking about biology but that's not satisfied by my podcast work something similar to that but as you can probably see there's a problem about having FOMO in this context and the there's a problem with the mentality of just do everything that satisfies your interests because it leads us to overcommit ourselves beyond our physical and psychological capacities. Even if your schedule allows you to have something on every night of the week, it doesn't mean you should um, because suddenly when one task takes longer than expected or you face road bumps, it causes this cascading effect of chaos through all the other parts of your life. Sometimes we need to let go a little bit so that the spare time that we save serves as a buffer between commitments just in case things go wrong and it also gives us some time to rewind, relax and reflect. One of the main harms of FOMO is it can change your goals when you're looking at other people's goals and other people's achievements. And instead of being able to focus on personal long-time goals, I think we begin to value external goals that are valued by other people because they're popular or help us fit in, but aren't really as loyal to our values. And when our goals don't align with our values and when the things that we're doing don't really align with our goals, they can't fulfill our basic psychological needs. Three of the things that we can keep in mind when we're doing things are autonomy, competence, and relatedness. Under the scope of autonomy, do you feel authentic doing this? Do you feel like you have a choice in the work that you do? 
With competence, do you feel like you have control over your outcomes? With relatedness, do you feel connected to other people, connected to the work that you do? And to, I don't say like to treat this problem, but to, to treat this problem, we may have to rely on using other people around us to motivate and inspire us, but being very aware of looking to others when we create goals. Even when our personal goals are clearly defined, we may still find ourselves thinking about what others have. And this is very normal. It's called social learning because people in the past have evolved to look for others for information about what goals are good and important because it's hard to collect this information from scratch and takes a long time. And looking around us can give us a lot of very useful information, such as what jobs should I be applying for? What jobs are good? Who is friendly? Who should I spend, you know, less time with? Beyond academic professional, uh, what is it? Academic FOMO, there's social FOMO. Going to parties that you don't really want to go to, but you go anyway because you don't want to feel left out or beating yourself up for not being able to go to an event because now you feel like everyone's having a way better time than you because they went. Through social media, we are always aware of what we're missing out in terms of having a good time and that plays on the fear of social exclusion. Social media creates a distorted perception of the edited lives of other people and the role that FOMO plays is it increases level of anxiety and makes people frequently check and refresh social media for new alerts and notifications to know what people are up to. But while we're doing that, it can impact our self-esteem and more deeply, I think I really struggle with this, but like social media has a really big impact for me because not only do I feel kind of terrible after using it for a while unless it's tiktok i love tiktok i think i wrote a little section about how much i love tiktok but i hope i get to that um besides let's say instagram for example where there's a lot of comparing yourself with people that you know there's that layer of like feeling guilty for doing that but also feeling guilty for how much time you've spent on your phone so there, I don't think I have the sort of the intellectual capacity to, to delve into the, the depths of the social media and how it has a role on the way we look at ourselves. I know it's there and I know like there are some vague ideas. I just, I just don't think I understand enough to know, but moving on anyway, um, and we can, it can lead us to have very unhealthy relationships with our boundaries because say you want to go to a party, but you choose not to go because you're really tired that day or you don't have time because if you go to this party, you're going to miss this deadline or you have other commitments. And instead of being able to accept the fact that you weren't able to go for a very valid reason and move on with your life, Maybe the act of not going, knowing other people are going and sitting at home can make people feel agitated because if you had just gone, you wouldn't have been feeling this way. Or if 
sometimes I think, oh, like I could have totally gone to this event if I just arranged my schedule a bit better and I'd have time to do everything that I wanted to do while being able to go to this event as well. And then I think I would like beat myself up a little bit for not organizing my time better to be able to do everything. But then that would mean I'd further deteriorate my relationship with setting boundaries with my time and my energy. The third thing is FOMO for life, long-term life goal FOMO. I think this happens to everyone, but with people in their 20s in particular, just because of the stage of life that they're in. I think there's a general angst amongst people in their 20s regarding the directions of their lives. What do I want to do with my life? What experiences should I be having right now that can only happen when I'm young? How do I lay the best foundations for my life? I think those are the main three questions that I experience or like I feel are the most important for someone in their 20s. And I think in your 20s, you're also deciding whether or not you want to pursue the same kind of life as your parents. So if you want something more, do you want to leave home and move into a bigger city with more opportunities? Do you look at like how satisfied your parents are with their work and their work-life balance? And do you know if that's what you want for yourself or you want to find a different path compared to your parents? And with medicine in particular, there's a general sentiment among some of my friends who feel frustrated with how unexciting their 20s are because we're confined to the walls of a hospital most days of the week. And when we're not at placement or we're not at work, then we're studying. And I have a friend in particular who sees a lot of the male regs in the hospital that I go to, who don't seem to have a lot of close friends at work because they're too busy achieving their tasks and getting things done to go home and rest. But they also have no friends outside of work because they're spending way too much time at work to even make time for friends outside. Or there are so many other things they need to be doing outside of the hospital that they they kind of have lost their friends throughout the years and obviously like no one wants to live that way and work-life balance is so important but it's really hard to maintain friendships outside of the hospital um I I can imagine especially for these people who work way more hours than the hours that I'm in the hospital for I just can't imagine like how difficult it must be for them and while people do successfully travel to really cool places and work um interesting part-time jobs and some people get married there's a girl yeah some people get married and some people have kids during med school and achieve really important life milestones as medical students i think people still feel FOMO and concerned that so much of their younger years is spent studying and doing unplayed placements, basically to the equivalent number of hours as a full-time job, which means it doesn't really give them a lot of opportunities to work outside of placement or the hospital. I think for me, that's the reason why I focus so much on hobbies this year. One of them being my push to set up this podcast because I want to have something to look back on when I'm in my 20s, something that I practiced a lot, something that I refined and hopefully mastered 
But at this rate, given that I'm still learning how to use these DJ controls every time I log in to record, I, I think it's going to be a while until I master this podcast. But I think it's going to eventually happen and then it's going to be something I'm really proud of myself for. So that was this week's podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Um, There's so much more to discuss about FOMO, but I think this is what's been on my mind the most lately. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you next month for another episode. I did a lot of research for this episode and I'd like to particularly reference a few articles. One is the National Institute of Health's article titled Fear of Missing Out, a brief overview of origin, theoretical underpinnings, and relationship with mental health. Another one is Forbes's article titled The Psychology Behind the Fear of Missing Out, as well as Amy Lockman's academic blog titled Academic FOMO, and the Psychology Compass's blog titled A Scientific Three-Step Solution to Overcome the Fear of Missing Out.